This morning, our scripture reading is from Numbers 6, 22 through 27. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. This is the word of the Lord. All right. Hey, good morning. It is great to see you. Welcome to our last Sunday morning gathering here at the atrium. We do hope to continue doing some worship services, especially for special events like Ash Wednesday, Good Friday, Christmas Eve, some of those types of services, as well as worship nights down here as well. Uh, but it's a big transition for us. Where we appreciate your prayers. We appreciate you uh, joining us next weekend and serving and doing all of the things uh, that I know you will be doing with us. Uh, now, if you've been with us for the summer, we have been doing a series on worship. And we've been looking at our, our Sunday gatherings to see why why we do things the way we do them in this sort of traditional liturgy that we do called worship, confession of sin, assurance of pardon. And what we're looking at today is the very end of our service, our blessing. Now, the blessing is a, a, a two-part blessing. There's a doxology and a benediction. And while you might be thinking, how, how could we do an entire sermon and an entire Sunday on sort of this little short blessing that comes at the end of the service, I want to suggest that this blessing is actually a powerful theme that runs throughout Scripture. That in fact, our, our lives are, are meant for blessing. Our lives are incomplete apart from blessing. Your, your whole life, you have been searching and seeking divine blessing. And so we're going to explore that entire theme this morning, and hopefully it gives, gives some, some clarity and some power to the doxology and benediction that we do each and every week. And so this morning we're looking at three things, what a blessing is, why we need it, and then how we give it to others. So what the blessing is, why we need it so much, and then how we give it to others. So would you pray with me, and then we'll jump in. Father God, one true and living God, it is so good to come before you every Sunday. I'm so, so encouraged every Sunday by the, the singing of, of our members and, and hearing the voices. I'm so encouraged by the congregational prayer. I'm so encouraged to take communion with your people here. Uh, and we seek your face again, Lord. We, we come before you hoping not only to understand what worship is, but to truly become worshipers in the spirit and in truth. We know that you've been seeking us as worshipers. As a, as a congregation, you've drawn us into prayer and worship as, as a central theme to our life and mission as a church over the last 18 months, and you have already poured out a blessing upon us in terms of worship and prayer. It's a Lord, would you continue these things in our midst? Help us to understand the divine blessing that you have set on our lives like God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I want to look at what a blessing is. And I want to look at one particular blessing. There are a number of blessings throughout the Old and New Testament, but there is one kind of like blessing of all blessings. And that's the priestly blessing that we just heard Lauren read from Numbers 6. It's called the priestly blessing or the Aaronic blessing because it came from the priest named Aaron, not because there's something ironic about it, but rather the Aaronic blessing is what it's often called. 
And it's this beautiful thing that God, God tells Moses to tell Aaron to tell the Israelites. And so this actually comes directly from the heart of God, but it goes to Moses, to Aaron, and then to all Israel. And by extension, it comes to us as well. And so I'll read the words again because it's so short. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. Now this blessing comes, as I said, from the very heart of God. It's not just a mere saying that's encouraged. This was a, a blessing and a doxology that was used at the end of every single service for thousands of years. It's still often used in the Hebrew tradition. Of course, we use it in our own Christian tradition as well. But, but in the broader sense, blessing is this central theme in the scriptures where about 400 times throughout the scriptures, the word bless or blessed or blessing is used. And so blessing is this profound thing that God wants us to understand. God is, God is giving something of himself and a blessing and he's committing something of himself when he blesses his people. And so what is a blessing? And in the ancient sense, when, when the Israelites would have heard this, what a blessing was, was a ceremonial giving of an inheritance. And so what would happen is maybe a, a family patriarch, the, the old male, as, as he was getting ready to pass away, he would be on his deathbed. And in this big ceremony, his entire family would gather around him. And then he would call forward his firstborn son or his oldest living son, and he would, he would give him the blessing. He would speak words of affirmation and, and praise over this young man. In, in the view of, of all of the family and, and community people and friends, he would speak a word of commitment to his son. It was a, a public blessing and affirmation. Now, it was even more than that because this blessing included a real sort of financial element. The, the father would pass along in this ceremony all of his riches, all of his wealth, all of his resources, all of his possessions. And so you can, you can imagine, like if there was a will in those days, it would say, you know, each of the kids and the other descendants, they might get like a few hundred dollars or thousand dollars or like a couple of, you know, I don't know, cattle. But the mega blessing, I mean, the vast majority of the family inheritance went to the firstborn son. And so in ancient times, a blessing consists of three things. The first is affirmation. The father speaks over the son, you are my beloved son, I'm so proud of you. I believe in you. The second thing was an anointing. I wish you well. May you live long. May you have prosperity. May you be successful in all you do. It's a, it's a well-wishing and an anointing upon the Son. And so it's affirmation, it's anointing, but third, it's also commitment. The Father would commit himself, his presence, but also his, his resources. He would be present to the son even after his death. He, th though it cost him everything, he would be present in the family still. And so there's affirmation, there's anointing, and there's commitment. Now in our, our Western culture, one of the things that we 
lack that the majority of cultures around the world have is, is a, a robust set of, of rituals, you know, rites of passages. We really don't have that many rituals and rites of passages in American culture. And, and in particular, one of the things that we can miss out on is a way of blessing other people in a more formal sense, especially within families. One of my best friends is a little bit older than me. His kids are a little bit older, and, and he has found this incredible way to, to create a ritual and a rite of passage for his kids as they leave the house. And so when they're about 18, 19 years old, when they are done with high school, when they're getting ready to go off to college or move into their apartment or whatever it is, what he's done for each of the kids at that age is he has gathered the entire family. I mean, they have this big feast. They have everybody over to the house. There's grandparents, aunts and uncles. People come in from out of town. There's friends of the child there as well. There's members from their community, their church, other people that they work with. There's this entire group that gathers around the young man or woman. And after dinner, what they've done is build this big uh, fire pit in the backyard. And as, as nighttime falls, they all go around and speak a blessing over this new young adult. They say, you are no longer a child, but now you have reached adulthood. And they pass along words of wisdom and they, they affirm and they praise and they, they wish well over this child. And what a beautiful modern blessing that is. To have such things spoken over you as a child, whether you deserve it or not. To know that you are part of a family, that you are affirmed, that you are anointed, that your family and your friends and your community has committed to you. And so if you look back at number six, with that in mind, the people of Israel are gathered in front of the presence of God. They're, they're in the wilderness. They're in front of the tent of meeting. And so God has redeemed them out of Egypt. There's been this profound deliverance from slavery. They've been through the Red Sea, and now God wants to promise his blessing on them. He's promising his very presence to be with them and to go before them. My favorite thing about this blessing is that it actually mentions the face of God twice. In verse 25, the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. And in verse 26, the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Now, Pastor Tim Keller has said that the face of God is his relational presence. See, the presence of God is, is everywhere at once, but the face of God is, is only turned in one direction, only on one person at a time. You know, if you're at a, a dinner party or a gathering like this, you can be present to all kinds of, you know, dozens of people at once. You're present to everyone, but your face is only turned to one person at a time. That's what this blessing is saying. That God's not just going to be generally present with us the way we are generally present to one another right now, but that God will turn his face, will set his relational presence on you. And go with you and go before you and remain with you. The blessing of God is the same three things. It's affirmation. God is speaking over you. You are my daughter. You are my son. I love you. I'm proud of you. I believe in you. In the same way, the blessing of God is an anointing. I wish you well. May you live long. May you be fruitful and multiply. May you find success in all you do. And the divine blessing is also commitment. God says, everything I have is yours. 
Though it cost me everything, I give freely to you as my child. And so that's what, what a blessing is. The second thing is why we need it. I said in the beginning, we often go through life looking for a blessing. And I think all of us do this. We're hardwired for the divine blessing, but we go throughout life seeking human blessings to, to sort of fill that need. And so think back to my, my friend's, you know, blessing ceremony for the, the young adult. Imagine if you were one of the friends at this ceremony, you know. And maybe you grew up without a dad, or, or he wasn't around much, or he wasn't emotionally present. And now you're in this hours-long, I mean, over-the-top ceremony with food, and the father's just lavishing praise on this young man. But you've known him since grade school, and you're like, him? Like this? He's, he is an equivalent moron to me, if we're being honest. Like, no, we're the same level as mo- of moron, and yet you are being lavished with praise. I mean, over-the-top affirmation. I mean, certainly you would say, what I wouldn't give to have this for me. What I wouldn't give to have a father speak these things over me, to be surrounded by a community that gifts given to me, to just be affirmed in this way. I think of the story of what's certainly the most famous biblical blessing, Jacob and Esau. Well, if you remember this story from Genesis, but Jacob and Esau are, are twin sons of Isaac. Isaac is the son of, of Abraham, the promised son. And his two sons are Jacob and Esau. Now, when they were born, Esau comes out first, which means that he was the firstborn. And, and therefore, by, by culture, should have received the entire inheritance. But God says to Isaac, give the inheritance to Jacob instead. So though Esau, we say Isaiah, Esau came out first, Jacob was the one who was supposed to get the blessing according to God. The problem is Isaac loved Esau. He loved Esau. I mean, literally the scriptures say that he loved Esau more than he loved Jacob. And Esau, you get the picture, like he's this man's man. He's an outdoorsman, you know. Uh, I mean, he loves to hunt, loves to, to provide for the family. Isaac loves that, you know. I mean, it even says that Esau, like, has the, the arm hair of a farm animal. Like, the dude is just covered in hair. I mean, if, if the Bible talks about how hairy you are, you've got to be really, really hairy. <laughs> and yet Jacob, Jacob is, is despised by his father, unloved by his father. Jacob hangs around mom a little bit more. He's watching cooking shows in the kitchen with her while Esau's out cooking or, or gathering the food that they're going to cook. And so when it comes to the end of Isaac's life and he's on his deathbed, he calls Esau into himself. He says, Esau, I want you to go out and catch the, the biggest thing you can find and I want you to, to chop it up and grill it and bring it to me and when you do, I will give you your blessing. Now mom overhears this and she goes and sets a plan before Jacob and she says, what I'm going to do is cook this, this big stew, and, and you're going to bring it into him, but you're going to cover yourself with the fur of one of these farm animals, and you are going to steal the blessing that belongs to Esau. And so they, they, they actually try this. I mean, uh, I don't know if you, if you can see what a bad plan this is. I mean, the fact that they're even trying this just seems like absolutely ridiculous. I mean, you know, in, in the famous last words of too many people, what could go wrong, you know? And I, I listened to a, 
a Tim Keller sermon on this. I know that's two Keller references. It is Sunday. But I listened to a message on, on Jacob and Esau, and he said, surely Jacob didn't think he would get away with this. You know, I hadn't thought about it like this. Surely he doesn't think he's going to get away with this. As soon as Esau comes home, it's basically over for Jacob, right? Why would Jacob do this? Why, why would he go through with this horrible plan? And what he, what he surmises is that Jacob so longed to hear his, father, his father's affirmation and praise. He so longed to hear a blessing spoken over him, perhaps for the first time in his life, that he was willing to come under these false pretenses. He was so desperate to hear his father say, you are my favorite son, come here. I love you, everything I have is yours. Even under false pretenses, he was so desperate to hear it that he did this ridiculous thing. The question is, how many times have we done this or something like it as well? How often have we been unsure of the Father's blessing, unsure of his love, unsure of his affirmation, unsure of his anointing and commitment to us that we've gone looking for it in all the wrong places and in all the wrong ways? I grew up in, in a, a great Christian home. I grew up with a dad who was awesome. He was present. He went with me everywhere. He's still an encouragement to me. But even still, I've longed for, for worldly and for human blessing all over the place. Let that pass. I thought of a, a time when I was in a previous ministry position and I had I had been brought into this position and it was a sort of a surprise. I couldn't believe that I'd been offered this role and I got a, a couple of promotions pretty quick. And I found myself so, so excited to have the, the blessing and the affirmation of the leaders of this organization. I didn't even realize it at the time, but I began to, to sort of adopt this identity that I was, I was one who, who kind of, you know, could do no wrong in the organization, always had like the blessing of other people. But something strange happened after a few years, and I honestly don't even remember how or why it happened, but I felt like I just lost their blessing like overnight. It was like all of a sudden they weren't affirming me anymore. All of a sudden they weren't encouraging me anymore. All of a sudden there were little like biting comments against me that cut so deep. And in that moment, in, in all of that pain and, and rejection, I realized how much I had been projecting onto them something that no way could they have possibly carried. I was projecting onto them this need for, for blessing and affirmation that of course they could not provide. There's no way that somebody could speak that into my soul in a way that it would actually hold up, that wouldn't be fragile, that would last forever. And so often even rejection, even loss, and things that are incredibly painful can still cause us to turn back and realize the divine blessing that we have. We so desperately long to be affirmed, to be, to be delighted in by somebody who's of great worth above us. And so you can kind of see the problem that we have if we're hardwired to be praised and affirmed by somebody great above us and we can't do that for ourselves. But certainly we need the blessing of God. Nothing else will satisfy apart from His blessing. So the good news is that we do receive divine blessing, not because we've been born into it, not because we've earned it, but through Christ we receive the blessing. We become a child of God, and, 
heir of the kingdom because of what Christ has done. I want you to think about how the, the promise of this blessing has now come true through Jesus. We think about that as you hear these words again. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. That grace being offered through the sacrifice of Jesus. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. That peace can only come through reconciliation through Jesus. This is the gospel according to number six, that you were created for blessing, but when you sinned, you lost it, and you lost the very face of God. But in Christ's life, in his perfect life, in his death, and his sacrifice, he came to restore blessing to us, so that all who believe in him fall under this divine blessing. If we're one in Christ, then everything that's spoken over Christ is now spoken over us. Divine affirmation, divine anointing, divine commitment. And in verse 27, it says, I will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. Part of the blessing is a, a naming of us, a, a welcoming into his family where he calls us by name. He calls us sons and daughters. Now, all of this is about worship. God is seeking worshipers. He's pursuing us. He's bringing us back to himself. And he's doing it so that he might bless us, but also through us bless the world. And so that's the third thing, how we give this blessing to others. The point is not that the blessing end with us. It doesn't, it doesn't end in, in a, like a cul-de-sac with us, but rather it moves through us to bless the whole world. Now, how do we give it to others? There's two ways. There's a formal and an informal way. The formal blessing is what we do at the end of our worship gatherings, when we do the doxology, when we sing together, and when we give the benediction. Now, this is our two-part blessing. The doxology is a, a response to blessing. Having confessed our sins, having been affirmed of our forgiveness, having heard the word, having taken communion together, what else could we do but praise God? At the end of all that God has done for us, what is there left for us to do but turn and sing his praises? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. This doxology was written in about the year 1700 by Thomas Ken, who is an Anglican priest in England. He wrote hymns, he wrote something like over a thousand hymns, and almost all of them conclude with this final stanza, Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Everything, every word, every, every thought that comes out of us, it should end in praising God for the blessings that he's bestowed upon us. Not his gifts, but his presence. His face upon us, his relational presence with us. That's why it's important that we sing that at the end of our services. And we don't just do it in our, our worship gatherings. We do it often, you know, at the end of community group, at the, at the end of prayer nights. We've done this informally in time, kind of gathered with people just to, to pray for somebody. We, we spontaneously find ourselves wanting to just close by singing the doxology. What in the world could be better than closing with the doxology? 
at the same time, the second half of our blessing is the benediction. The benediction, it, it simply means good word in Latin, and it's a blessing for the road. It's a, it's a blessing that, that goes with us, but it also sends us out. It's, it's a form of the Great Commission. Go now and make disciples of all nations. The benediction is a sending. As we've been anointed, so we are sent. We've been sent just as the Father sent the Son, so the Son sends us. So each week when you sing the doxology, when you receive the benediction, here's what you can think. God loves me and delights in me. His face shines upon me. That's his affirmation. You can remember God longs for my good and he longs for my flourishing. He is for me. That's his anointing. God has promised to be present with me, though it cost him everything. He will never leave or forsake me. That's his commitment. So that's the formal side of blessing, but consider the informal side. We are blessed, not that we would simply bear the blessing, but that we might pass it on as well. We are blessed to be a blessing. The blessing comes to us that it might move through us. And you've heard it said, hurt people hurt people, in the same way blessed people bless people. Like when you've received the blessing of God, all you can do is become a blesser of others. C.S. Lewis wrote, a person who is habitually praising others and complimenting them and appreciating them is a person who is filled with inner health. There are a few quick ways that we can informally bless one another. The first one is thanking them, you know. I noticed that you did this extra thing that you didn't have to do, that you might serve others, and I just want to identify that and just thank you for what you've done. We can informally bless by affirming somebody. You know, you did a, a great job here, and it's just a delight to work with you. It's a delight to, to have you around and to be your friend. You can bless by honoring somebody. Maybe in your community group, you, you just say, you know, I just want to publicly say that you know, Dan reached out to me this week, and it was incredibly encouraging. I just felt, I felt so loved by that. I wanted to just honor Dan for doing that. You can also commit to someone. That's a way of blessing them. You know, maybe you reach out to somebody and you say, hey, I heard you ask for prayer for this big doctor's appointment today. You know, what if I go with you? What if I commit to go with you so you don't have to do it alone? You don't have to be anxious. I will, I will go with you. I can make time. It's a way of, of blessing somebody with your presence. Blessed people, those who really know how much it costs God to give us this blessing, they will be a blesser of other people. In the middle part of this week, as I was preparing for this message, I was sharing some of the sermon notes with Jesse. We were just in the kitchen, and I was kind of giving her the, the concept for the sermon, and, and she she suggested Isaiah 43, one of her favorite passages. It's where we're sitting there, but honestly, my, my week has been hard. I've got a lot on my mind, a lot on my heart. There's a lot of heaviness sitting with me. But I pull out Isaiah 43 and just read it off my phone. And it's like I can hear God's words just speaking blessing over me. But consider God speaking this over you as well. This is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. 
I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. So badly, I needed to hear those words in that moment. And maybe you're in a similar place right now. Life is overwhelming. There is so much on your heart and mind. It took all of your energy and strength just to show up this morning. I think God wants to say that he sees you. He knows what you're going through. He sees it more clearly even than you do. He understands it better than even you do. And he is with you. He created you. He formed you. He redeemed you. He calls you by name. You belong to him. When you pass through the deep waters of life and all of its fiery trials, you will still not be alone and you won't be overcome. You are precious and honored and loved in the sight of the Almighty God. He gave everything for you, even his own son. This is the good news that Jesus was supposed to get the Father's blessing that he deserved, but instead he took the curse that we deserved. Jesus was supposed to see the face shining on him, but instead the face of God turned away as he was on the cross. This is the only way that the blessing could come to us. In Christ, God loves us and affirms us to the very same degree that he loves and affirms his own son. If we are in Christ, then everything that's true of Jesus and everything that God wants to say over Jesus is now spoken over us as well. The blessing that was due to the firstborn son has now fallen on us. If you have this blessing, there is nothing else that you need. Let's pray.